Hello and welcome to the Access of Space Defense and Security podcast. I'm Omkar Nikam, your host for this episode. In this podcast, we explore the latest developments and trends in the fields of space exploration, defense technology, and national security. Each episode features insightful interviews with experts and industry leaders who share their perspectives on a wide range of topics, including the latest advances in satellite technology, space exploration missions, military defense strategies, cybersecurity, and more. Whether you are a space enthusiast, a military professional, or someone interested in the latest innovation in technology and security, this podcast has something for you. Join us as we delve into the cutting-edge research breakthroughs that are shaping the future of space defense and security. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to episode 26, Resources and Relationships: Critical Minerals and Its Impact on Global Affairs. Today to take a deep dive into this topic we have with us Neha Mishra. Hi Neha, welcome to the podcast. Hi Omkar, thank you. Yes, likewise uh, we are really glad to have you on the podcast because it's a it's a very as as you know the topic tells it itself that it's a very rare occasion that we find experts uh, in this topic especially and that to the people who might even provide some perspective on the space affairs as well from this side. So before we take a deep dive into this topic uh, can you give us a you know brief introduction about yourself uh, about your research and how did you end up you know in this field as a researcher Yeah uh thank you so much Omkar for inviting me for this podcast I am really happy to see that different platforms are right now trying to understand the significance of critical minerals in global affairs in technology and in now in space as well So thank you so much for making this initiative about me I'm an associate fellow at the Center for Air Power Studies I'm doing my PhD from University of Delhi so my research interests around critical minerals and specifically rare earth elements started past in like 3 years back when the trade war was happening between uh, US and China and that time it really intrigued me why rare earth was being used a lot uh, like there was multiple mentions so i was very intrigued that how uh, a country can use uh, this uh, type of strategy and just take its uh, you know leverage over other country without using any geopolitical or uh, action or coercion so yeah from since then uh, my research interest has been around uh, variables Uh, developing variables that play a crucial role in national and global energy transition and uh, in that case i am focusing on critical minerals rare earth elements renewable technologies also uh, maybe after today a uh, space technology or maybe so yeah and how they impact uh, the geopolitical and geoeconomic equation between countries so at caps i have been working on a book project titled as strategic use of rare earth elements major powers and emerging players and i have been working around this theme i'm trying to i have been trying to understand the strategy followed by nations to ensure supply chain resilience of critical minerals and rare earth elements so yeah that's about me that's quite interesting journey i would say because uh, this topic is not so much widely spoken about and i guess uh, rightly when you had published few of the articles i came across your profile and i thought okay this mm-hmm. is something that i need to you know cover or possibly get you on the podcast because even in the space industry the whole you know the electronic segment it actually works on the critical minerals i mean 
if there are no critical minerals possibly there is no electronics and you know the instrument through which even which we are actually interacting now it's possible yeah. because of the critical minerals so i yeah. thought you know I'll, i'll get you on the podcast because i have never seen even i i listen to several other podcasts but i have never seen you know a wide focus on this topic so yeah thank you again you know for agreeing to do this podcast because as we'll be proceeding ahead uh, we'll be taking a deep dive into this topic so in general you know we have a audience uh, not only from space but as well as from defense and security who work on a strategic and management level so uh, this question you know pr- primarily relates to that uh, uh, segment of the audience uh, you know to give them a basic definition of critical minerals so can you tell us what are critical minerals and why they are ha- i mean why they have a significant prominence in recent times yeah so i also believe that the question we should start with because everywhere people just read about it critical minerals this or that that happens supply chain crisis everything but nobody is very sure what is critical mineral like what, what how you why you call it critical mineral so that's a good way to start with so for me like what i have read and uh, in my understanding the the definition of a mineral as critical it always varies depending on the time and space you are in and you're using that mineral so it's all a, it's it's all a temporal spatial difference for instance if we go back in during the world war 1 it was us that made the first list of critical minerals at time and they even termed it as a list of war minerals they included tin nickel platinum nitrates and potash that time so yeah that time these minerals were critical because that was the need of the hour that was the need of the time but today not the importance is really different so different countries have different but a very similar way of defining critical minerals so it's all about mineral whose supply is as, is at risk is during the time because of geopolitical scarcity geopolitical issues trade policy or other factors is a critical mineral so a country which is requiring a mineral for its economic growth for its defense for its future goals as well and facing the uh, you know supply risk is considering that mineral as critical so today if we see high import dependent countries have been introducing their own list of critical minerals as per their supply risk level so it's all about the demand and supply right now how uh, how the, you can just ensure a resilience in that so for instance if we see rare earth elements and lithium they are also very important in countries uh, energy goals and their defense uh, production and everything and they are focusing in that direction so in recent times these minerals have gained global prominence due to three major factors for me uh, geopolitical events that have been happening around these elements we have we are seeing that how uh, every day like some export embargo some geopolitical crisis happening and everything then that is also affecting the supply chain so that's that's the second factor supply chain crisis and yes the global energy transition because mostly these minerals are being uh, an increasingly significant part of countries uh, focus and you know em- emphasis because they are trying to focus on their global energy commitment so yeah that's how uh, you define critical mineral uh, there is no such 
uh, definition of critical mineral which, which you can take for uh, like 10 years. For instance, if we take the case of rare earth elements, today they are important, today they have increasing importance and everything, but 10 years down the line, if we will find a substitute, if only if we will find a substitute, we will find a cheaper alternative. Obviously, that time that mineral will be critical. So there you go with the definition of critical minerals. Critical minerals, yes. All right. So can you please name a few critical minerals and how do they impact global relations? The reason, my, reason I'm asking this question is because at the end, everything boils down to the you know the global politics the international relationships so yeah. uh, just you know tell us like what are these minerals maybe name few of them and just tell us briefly about like how they impact the global relations yeah okay uh, so uh, if we see the case of critical minerals there are like multiple like more than 50 uh, countries have multiple lists they are going on so if you will google it you will find a, a, multi a full list you will not even understand but uh, mostly what I feel that uh, I try to understand and analyze all the lists and uh, which countries have come up with and I have found around 16 common critical minerals that found place in all countries concerned right now because again they are more most critical right now for them so for that in that part I, I found like antimony antimony uh, beryllium cobalt gallium germanium graphite indium lithium manganese rare earth elements tantalum titanium uranium vanadium zinc zirconium so these are the common ones i found in all the list so also there is a thing i want to clarify here that some people uh, think that rare earth element is a, a, a critical mineral yes but they they think all other minerals are also rare earth elements for instance some i have heard people saying that lithium is a rare earth element nickel is a rare earth element but no it's not the case because rare earth element is a critical mineral it's a subset right uh, there are like multiple minerals so rare earth element is also a mineral and and in the part of rare earth element there are 17 elements we find so it's a very separate thing, but people are very confused with the fact. So I want to clarify here also if anybody thinks that uh, nickel is a rare earth element, cobalt is a rare earth element, it's not. So if we if you go back in your periodic table, there are 17, uh, scandium, promethium, vitrium, european and everything. You can go back and understand that too. So it is worth to note that it is not only about the availability of these minerals, that makes them critical, but all the technology, because mostly these are available in a very abundant amount, but the technology is the case, which makes them critical for countries right now. So their application, as you also mentioned, ranges from different areas, electronic, green technology, defense equipment, and so on. And uh, their impact on global relation, we can obviously go back to the past. They have been impacting uh, the global relation from very long time because it's all about supply chain has been there uh, since we know the trading right and this trading was all about having raw materials uh, uh, like we need we need raw materials for our uh, technology for our other things civilian applications also 
so this is uh, but right now they have been impacting mostly high import dependent countries and their relation uh, obviously this goes back to war times but i won't go back there but to be recent you can see the case of Senkaku Diaoyu Island dispute that happened in 2011 between Japan and China, during which China strategically banned the export of rare earth elements to Japan in a response against the geopolitical action by Japan. So there, I, I when I was reading about it, I just uh, noticed that how China just uh, used this strategy uh, in, in, in uh, response to the geopolitical action although china could do, use the geopolitics or uh, military actions but it didn't so it really affected japan japan's automobile industry and also its uh, gdp that year and since that even not only japan but all the import dependent countries were become more uh, concerned about securing their supply chains and uh, not only for rare earth elements but all for other minerals as well then the recent us china trade war that alerted the world more uh, about their reliance on a single country like China for critical minerals. We have seen the impact on semiconductor industry. We have seen the impact on defense industry, pharmaceutical industry, uh, and like permanent magnets, batteries, everything that which, which we require for our defense, for our uh, other technological growth. Everything is dependent. We kind of had a single dependence on a single country. So this has been shaping the global relation right now at bilateral, trilateral, multilateral level. We have seen the initiatives like multilateral quad. We have seen the like we have seen the initiative like Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, trilateral supply chain resilience among India, Japan, Australia. There are multiple bilateral partnerships happening between countries like US, Australia, Japan, India, European Union. If we see all these initiatives aiming to reduce dependence on a single country it's not only about china it's about any country to, to reduce the dependence on a single country to avoid their supply chain risk so right now this is uh, there is a this is a race if we see uh, not in a race in a form of going somewhere with the strength it's all about uh, the race towards resilience towards ensuring that uh, security in for the future so yeah all right so this is a very important point you mentioned like reducing the dependence on single country because uh, uh correct me if i'm wrong uh, what you're trying to say here is a balance of power is necessary or a balance of you know the resources supply is necessary over here so that you know uh, one country cannot you know create a monopoly on something so just you know following up on that perspective only so how does the scarcity or abundance of critical minerals influence the diplomatic relationships between countries yeah so as i have explained how supply chain resilience is the focus right now uh, there is scarcity there is abundance of these minerals but obviously the technology is the case which is influencing the diplomatic relation among countries for me, uh, we can see two forms of diplomatic relations taking shape right now if, because of the critical mineral, uh, because they want to secure their critical mineral supply chain. 
Uh, first is the partnership among like-minded countries. They are aiming to ensure their resilience. They are trying to follow the strategy of like friend-shoring, reshoring, near-shoring. So friend-shoring is like you're trying to uh, collaborate uh, with a like-minded country in terms of supply chain of physical minerals so that uh, they, it will be more about if we talk in terms of international relation, it will be more about absolute gain, not a relative gain. Uh, you know, understanding. So these countries uh, are trying to obviously minimize dependency on China. Uh, for instance, we have seen the US-led Ministry Security Partnership Alliance of uh, the it, 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 it has around 15 countries right now. Uh, India also joined in March. So, uh, sorry, in June. So yes, we can see that this is a kind of partnership happening at a diplomatic relationship happening in the global scale first. And second form is that involves geoeconomic partnership for me that involves an interdependent engagement between a more economically strong country and a resource rich country or a region. For instance, if we see the example of China investing in rare earth mines of Madagascar, Myanmar, lithium mines of Zimbabwe, Namibia, cobalt mines of Democratic Republic of Congo, and there are like other examples also. So mostly I have seen China in this case, but yeah, there are other countries, Australia is there, US is there, but this is a form I'm trying to explain that they, this is a geoeconomic partnership, which kind of follows this that one country is very economically powerful and the other country is not economically powerful, but is resource-based powerful. So you kind of have an interdependent engagement so that uh, you also benefit, I also benefit, but it's not a win-win game always because the country with resource-rich um, resource capability always end up with environmental problems. So yeah, so, so you can see that there, these kind of diplomatic relationship is going on. So one is uh, to reduce dependence on China, other form is by China to sustain its dominance. So these two kind of things are happening uh, hand in hand. Yeah. Yes, I think China has been at the center of everything recently. Yeah. Even in the space industry, we have ob observed like uh, the kind of rapid action plans that have been taking place from the side of China. It's, mm -hmm. it's just uh, huge. I mean, even Europe is unable to match to those levels. So, yeah. for, uh, so uh, Omkar, I just would, I just want to highlight this also that if we see the case of China being a central thing of every technology, yes. of either critical minerals or space, uh, this is all, uh, this all goes to, it's, the credit goes to its uh, strategies. China has been very strategic about its uh, in industries that when the country, when other countries were even not trying about it. So when we go back in 1980s, when China started its rare earth industry, uh, it started focusing when uh, US was declining in the sector and other countries were not even that much focused about it. And today China has all, uh, everything happening at one place, uh, processing, mining, production, everything. And at the same time, they have very advanced defense and uh, uh, like research and development going on. Uh, so you can't match with something which was very strategic in the place when like planning is all about uh, uh, planning and execution is important. And China is always doing justice to it. So that's where I feel other countries uh, 
are now entering we are we are considering the fact and we are really entering into this domain so yes we can but this is a like 10 years more or five years more uh, kind of uh, journey for us which china already you know traveled so yeah yes very true i agree with you absolutely because uh, china has always been at the forefront you know like i you know just this is just a little bit off topic but i would just mm-hmm. like to highlight one more point here is like yeah. the situation in africa where several of the western satellite companies even several indian companies i believe mm-hmm. uh, they were selling satellite services at a much more higher prices you know possibly yeah. maybe between 50 to 100 dollars but china came in with the satellite dish equipments of 10 dollars and you know won the hearts of the people so Yeah, uh, i think co- communication technology is something that you know brings people together i mean the growth that we are seeing in india at the moment uh, both digitally and economically it's because of the communication technology the advancement in communication technology and i think china has you know captured that backbone of yeah. wherever it has gone and i believe uh, that's how it is you know trying to capture other sectors as well like the critical minerals so just you know kind of i would say a little bit adding a layer on china's question so how has china's dominance in critical mineral production affected its geopolitical standing and relation with other countries yeah so uh, i explained that the progress of china goes back to its early 1980s and everything so today we can see that Uh, china refines around 93% of gallium 78% of tungsten and about like 50% of other critical minerals like graphite red or germanium titanium and everything so this not goes only to the fact that it has the reserves available uh, it also goes to the fact that it has strategies as i explained it has production technology it has advancement in technology which other countries still lack we we don't see that um, if we take the case of rare earth elements not every country has the processing capacity we like every country is struggling with it so they, if uh, we take the case of america us and uh, australia uh, australia has good research ca- uh, good capacity of reserves and production but still processing capacity they are working on they are really uh, struggling uh, not struggling but they are working on investing in it but at the same time this is really going on it's a work in progress phase for australia or usa but for china everything is there so that shows uh, the dominance in that phase and obviously it, uh, the the numbers also show that how much uh, capacity it got is right now with it so that like the growth owes to its domestic policy strategies and investment we have seen that recently china imposed a export embargo of gallium and germanium to us that showed how china is very confident that these other countries are really dependent on my export and i can really like china can do it and other countries will have to struggle for it so if we take the case of uh, in terms of china's geopolitical standing you are asking uh, we have seen multiple events that uh, that show that china has a strategic use also of these uh, minerals from the senkaku island uh, even i explained to the recent export ban of gallium gallium and germanium china has been showing its leverage over the world multiple times that that Uh, how they are dependent on a single country like china for their sources but that the confidence has been reflecting in their public 
comments as well, such as of there, there was a famous statement by uh, the Deng Xiaoping in 1992 that he said that middle if the Middle East has oil, China has rare earth. That showed that, yeah, if China, Middle East is strong because of its oil, China is strong because of its rare earth. And even during the trade war with U.S., uh, the official newspaper of Chinese Communist Party, it stated or uh, wrote that we advise that U.S. side not to under, uh, underestimate the Chinese side's ability to safeguard the development rights and interests. Don't say we didn't warn you. So this was the, this was a clear statement written in its official newspaper, uh, which was showing the confidence China had. Uh, but at the same time, the confidence is not very overconfident confidence also because I have been I have see I have noticed that China has been trying to be very strategic to ensure its supply chain resilience as well. As of October 2021, over one fifth of all loans given to Africa by Chinese banks, especially to countries with significant natural resources or strategic importance. Uh, they are like very high amounts, but they are really for, uh, in, towards the resource uh, supply chain resilience. So that includes Angola, Djibouti, Ethiopia, Kenya, Zambia, all the investments, also the investment I have explained above, like the, in the lithium and cobalt mines. So we can see that, yes, uh, global geopolitical standing is there, yes. But at the same time, it maintains its relation with those countries that, that are very resource-rich. So just to ensure the supply chain resilience, which other countries are also trying with collaboration with each other. But China is trying in, in, in a geoeconomic way. Yeah. Interesting. I think you mentioned about Africa, and I, I believe I already covered uh, from satellite communication perspective. I think mining is the sector which utilizes uh, one of the critical uh, technologies from the satellite sector that is communications. So I believe the China's footprint is definitely increasing over there. And you know, coming to yeah. the latter part, uh, can you highlight the importance of critical minerals in space technology? Uh, yeah, good question. So uh, for uh, space technology, so I'm I have been reading about uh, the importance of critical minerals or application of the critical minerals in uh, space technology in applic in uh, defense sector or in aerospace also. So I have seen that mostly they are used in manufacturing of these technologies. And uh, for instance, lithium, nickel, silicon are, are being used mostly. But all, if uh, my focus has been on rare earth, so I will give you more detail about how, what rare earth elements we use in space and aerospace also. So if we take the case of gallium, yes. they, are, they are basically being used for uh, production of computer chips uh, like uh, also, their superconductivity allows uh, the these technologies to have longer durate, longer uh, you know age. And if we take the case of neodymium and dystrosium, dystrosium and neodymium are the major uh, elements being used by defense sector. Uh, they are mostly for defense sector. I have been I have seen that they are mostly used for missile guidance system and everything. So these are like uh, this will go more technical in my side. But what I would say that most of these technologies needs permanent magnets, and then the permanent mag magnets require further the critical minerals. And for and to ensure those permanent magnets, like no not only permanent magnets, we need other kind of elements as well. But 
major key is permanent magnet. So where there I see that yes, critical minerals, especially rare earth elements, are also being used at very high in a very high amount. If we take the case of India, uh, India like IRL Indian Rare Earth Limited, it uh, majorly exports or uh, supplies its uh, process rare earth elements to the different sector because that that is using. A uh, high amount of rare earth elements for its uh, defense production, but uh, uh, for other uh, application we are still lacking in that phase. But you can see that how much uh, importance it is attached to the defense or space technologies. Uh, the the country like India also doing because we don't have much uh, processing capacity. But still, we are uh, supplying our rare earth elements, our other critical minerals for uh, these uh, technologies. So that that's much I know about this area. Uh, not too much I can give you. Uh, not too much detail I can give you about this. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. So in general, like how do you mentioned about India, uh, mm -hmm. between the lines. So how does India's increasing reliance on critical minerals have impacted its global position in international relations mm -hmm. uh, so in india the focus of, on critical minerals in terms of their exploration management everything that started again back in 2011 when this senka island uh, issue uh, is, happened but uh, yes india has a long history being a land of multiple resources if you will allow me, I can go back in the history and explain some few parts of it, if it's fine. Yes, yes. Yeah, so like how our colonial history and economic issues have always slowed our progress in this direction. But if we, there, there is a thing that India was among the major, uh, you know, reserves of uh, these high critical minerals. In 1950s, um, like there were three major countries that got the focus of world having high amount of monazite and like that includes rare earth minerals, uh, elements, which, which had Brazil, which had India as well. But with the time of, with the uh, British history, with the colonial history, we kind of, uh, you know, disappeared in the whole thing. So if the we take the case of rare earth industry, uh, when the monazite capacity was really being considered throughout the world, in India, the princely state of Travancore, it was highlighted and received global attention because during that time, uh, it had a high amount of uh, monazite available. And this goes back to 1908 when a German scientist in India Hers Comber, he identified the presence of monazite in sand minerals. In sand minerals, he just noticed that uh, in the coil of uh, contaminants, uh, it kind of imported, it kind of had some uh, amount of monazite. It was being imported from Kerala. Uh, he was very smart enough to separate the first, uh, separate it from the coil and make it happen that yes, India has monazite. And he established the first separation plant of monazite in India, uh, in Kerala, that was called as Manbala Kurichi in, in the Oswald princely state of Travancore. But the history of our, our, our colonial history really affected this progress because when British uh, under, got to know, he charged him as spy. And he obviously, the whole uh, arrangement took over by Britishers. They, uh, they, 
called the London Cosmopolitan Mineral Company got took over. Then everything got under their control. Even after the Second World War, when India got independence, we had uh, we realized everything that we have um, beach sand minerals, we have critical minerals, which are important to achieve our nuclear self sufficiency. Uh, all thanks to Dr. Homi Baba. But uh, uh, the attention was uh, uh, on India at that time, the Travancore, because of uh, the war mineral uh, attachment. And yeah, but as a whole, India really struggled to keep the best use of its own resources. Even that time, uh, how how much uh, intervention was being happening, and we had no money, we had no, uh, we were struggling with our uh, obviously the economic food security and everything. So we could not focus on too much on our resources and advancement. And obviously, the strategic use was uh, the the race was going on, and we uh, took like we were very behind. So I won't I won't go in much detail. It is a podcast, not uh, about uh, India's then. It is a podcast in in itself. Uh, so if you want to read more about it, I can. Give, uh, this is a chapter by uh, by me on rare earth elements and India's neighborhood. So coming back to your question, the domestic consumption of rare earth elements in India has been increasing in the past two decades. Uh, since the liberalization of our economy and increasing the engagement in the world as well uh, we are trying to understand we are trying to increase our engagement why because we want to ensure the security of uh, the supply because it's not only about we don't have exporting capacity as such right now we are just importing so for uh, our domestic use we need uh, countries uh, with like-minded strategies and everything to uh, those who can invest in our uh, those who can just give us some uh, you know planning and everything we have we are trying to coordinate we need to work more in this direction there is a they, there are uh, developments going on countries are working India is working there are policies coming but it's all about policy and execution but if you are good in policy but execution is very slow and very poor you, can, you cannot cope up you cannot match the growth of the world so as we can see that uh, yes we we just got the critical mineral list out so we we think i think maybe we can have some more diplomatic connections right now we have with australia with us with japan but uh the execution is still under progress yeah so all this, I would just uh, try to uh, explain that yes, India's geopolitical position is there in the global in terms of critical minerals. Why? Because uh, countries are really uh, countries have been understanding the India's potential in the history also, as well because they were interested in India. But recently, uh, India has been more uh, deprived of the technology which we can come up with a diplomatic engagement. If we can see the recent MSP Mineral Security Partnership uh, uh, Alliance, India India got the membership because last year when it was launched, India was not offered a membership that time, and it was a very uh, uh, thing of debate among countries but then realize uh, India got it because yes no country can just lose uh, the good reserve country obviously we don't have much technology but we have good reserves we have untapped reserves so there we can see yes we are, our geopo geopolitical standing is very very strong but we need to focus on the strategies yeah all right that, that's a quite an extensive answer and I believe you <laughs> gave a really good, insightful uh, nuggets 
because even i was not aware about the german uh, scientist that you mentioned about that yeah. incident definitely it would be really great if you can forward after this podcast a link and you know so that i can possibly uh, get your you know chapter or you know the complete link to the book itself so that people mm -hmm. can possibly purchase it or you know read it uh, or access it through uh their library cards and all so if you have the link of the book if it is already published yes, uh, then you yes, can send I... me if it is going to be published also then you can send me later on also uh, because generally a lot of people you know try to ask me after the podcast you know we were listening to this point can you send us a reference to this yeah, so generally yeah. i think as you mentioned this is a very important point that you just discussed and it will be really great if we can put up uh, the link to the your chapter especially uh, yeah. in the description it, it section is, yeah it is already published so i will forward it if anybody wants to know more about, more about it it's all about india's history and in rare earth elements and and the recent times also so it's good to know, like if you will like it you will obviously get more information definitely yes and what are the implication of india's domestic production capabilities for critical minerals i mean uh, from self sufficiency perspective also but you know leveraging uh, these resources in a diplomatic way for you know uh, international relations purposes uh yeah so as i have explained more about india's uh, past and everything so production cap capabilities if we see are not very much with india right now because if we talk about self sufficiency india came up with too many like policies that we want to be atmanirbhar in manufacturing we want to atmanirbhar uh, yes. in this or that right but uh, the self sufficiency requirement it, it cannot be done unless you don't have good production cap capabilities we we are still lacking with that uh, technology we are still working in that direction so i won't uh, really say that yes yes india has uh, leverage in that phase but uh, diplomatic leverage for india is still there why because we have the reserves because in the in a in a world where reserves are really declining if we take the case of china china started with 90% of reserves in 1980s now it has some 69 or 70% so you can see that reserves are declining because obviously you are using them you are export exporting them you are exploiting all the uh, available resources they they will be declining but in india we obviously we didn't go too much in the production we didn't go, we didn't try to explore too much so there we have a lot of reserves available untapped reserves are, are we don't even know how many how much reserves we have the geological survey of india is now working in that direction if we have seen in the in the past 6 months we have seen how lithium lithium uh, uh, reserves were found in jammu and kashmir some some uh, reserves were found in andhra pradesh so there are uh, that uh, things are going on so we can see that yes we have reserves which are not even uh, you know listed in the factual tables or everything all right so after having this uh, wide range of perspective i'd like to know from the point of west how we look at the critical elements, elements or the uh, i would say in general the geopolitics of the critical minerals because mm -hmm. this has been a kind of a issue mm -hmm. uh, where we have seen lot of western nations are not really a good nation building uh, 
countries uh, for example the united states uh, i mean there there is there are examples of iraq uh, then of course syria as well then vietnam so you know somewhere the western nations or the complete the western sphere has almost failed uh, at several points in the history to build a nation so from your perspective what role the west will play in the geopolitics of critical minerals and how it will affect india yeah so uh, you are right that west has been playing a role like this in vietnam or in iraq and every places but these are the cases of uh, some other geopolitical aspects if we take the case of energy or energy transition uh the the behavior or the uh, approach of us or west is very different right because in the past we have seen when uh, the oil crisis happened after that uh, us had uh, had to suffer a lot other western countries uh, that were dependent on um, middle east they were also suffering a lot but uh, what the the approach was uh, of uh, especially of usa it was to shift towards alternatives which the us did it came up with its um, very good amount of shale gas uh, and uh, it it tried to you know lose the dependence on middle east so this was the case and if you see uh, there are multiple cases where uh, energy uh, energy agreements or energy partnership or energy kind of interaction has been happening and the behavior of us is uh, kind of very different there too if you take the case of chabar uh, india and uh, india and uh, middle east uh, india and iran were uh, you know interacting when uh, us implemented uh, its uh, you know again the jcpoa review from jcpoa again so this was a case when uh, it affected uh, like usa didn't uh, approach the whole situation of india and uh, iran the same way it used to do uh, in the past because it was about energy again so this the and, and if we take the case of critical minerals again yes critical in case of critical minerals usa has been approaching the whole thing differently in the in the past in 2017 quad re uh, reestablish and everything and they had the major uh, uh, you know topic to focus or uh, concern about was critical minerals they have been focusing on supply chain resilience they have been focusing on other aspects so just to say that this is this has been affecting the geopolitical dynamics but not in a way of you know competition as such it is more in terms of as i explained also before that it is more in terms of reducing the dependence it is more about uh, having the resilience not in uh, not having a competition or geopolitics around it so and that's the same happening with india also india is not trying to engage in a competition as such right now it is more uh, focusing on secure its uh, supplies so yeah this is what i feel all right yeah so i believe th- so the role of the west and in general all the developed nations is ca- pretty much different than what it is in other uh, verticals of the energy sector so that that's good to know i mean uh, nevertheless we still see china you know creating a dominance i mean it's a history uh, through several uh, i think uh, movements that we have seen recently in the pacific that china uses its dominance as you said like we have to reduce the dependence on one nation mm-hmm. uh, and so i mean the creation of monopoly is always a kind of a threat uh, in yeah. any economy 
So I believe uh, Critical Minerals is yet to kind of uh, shed off that monopoly because, uh, of course, China has a lot of reserves. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I believe we are now reaching the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would like to, you know, because the last uh, question is for the students. So I'd like to, uh, you know, step in and ask the question only dedicated to the students because I generally, I have made it a habit uh, that uh, until, you know, we are discussing about, you know, all the geopolitics and the expert level research, it's fine. But we also need to, you know, kind of uh, prioritize students as well because there is a lot of students who get in touch with me and ask me the questions you know and i'm of course as i'm not an expert in every field <laughs> so it is kind of tough for me to guide them so what yeah. i do is like you know ask the uh, expert itself the question like what uh, message would you like to give to the generations you know mm-hmm. so from that perspective neha what yeah. message would you like to give to the future generations stepping into this field of research Related to geopolitics of critical minerals. Uh, I mean, it's not only necessary from geopolitics. If you are aware about the scientific Mm -hmm. side as well, then please feel free to tell that as well. Like as per your comfort, you can just uh, give, you know, like few guidelines on how students can actually, you know, take up this research and possibly amplify Mm -hmm. or uh, increase their contribution uh, in this field. Yeah. Uh, so for me, this is more like an emerging field right now among researchers who are who belongs to social sciences and international relations, and mostly the focus is around geopolitics uh, of critical minerals, rare earth elements, lithium, and everything. But at the same time, it's not only about geopolitics, as you also said that it's not we cannot uh, be very narrowed down in our approach when we are trying to build our career in that phase. So for uh, for the researchers who will be coming into uh, who will be stepping into this uh, direction of research i would suggest them that always try to you know be very clear with your concepts first Uh, just be uh, just make it a habit to work on your basics first when because when i started three years back uh, it was uh, obviously, I'm not having a background from science. Uh, I was not very sure how to work around rare earth elements without having that much knowledge around it. So first, I try to, you know, even without not having too much interest in science, I had to, I really worked on understanding what rare earth elements are and what their use are so that I can be more conceptual clear about the concept then I should focus on uh, the other aspects around it so that's what I would suggest if you are trying to enter into this domain first make make it a habit to just be clear about your concepts first and then and then uh, second is I I suggest that this is my uh, kind of mantra where uh, in the past three years that uh, always I read one article a day so it's it's like a more uh, you know academic uh, suggestion also when you are in academic background always make it a habit don't sleep without reading one article so that's what I do like at least read one something related to your field and make it a habit to go to your libraries and connect with it so that this is the time for more interdisciplinary research not a very you know narrowed down international research or uh, social sciences or sciences everything is a very interconnected so when you are trying to understand geopolitics around it try to understand other dynamics around it as well 
soil, how it is affecting the energy transition, how it is affecting the domestic policies as well. So everything is connected when you will be understanding it and then you will come up with new ideas as well. So if you are restricting yourself to one thing that, yes, this is what I know and I will continue with this, obviously you can't come, uh, you cannot go further than that. So that's my suggestion for people who want to work. And then uh, always start with some a basic book also. Make it a habit to work on, uh, start with books, not some journal articles or like you just fi find on uh, Google when you are just Googling that, yeah, what is geopolitics or critical illness? You will find multiple articles, but they are like just small analysis. But make it a habit to go beyond that just start with good basic books which can uh, be uh which can develop your core understanding and then you you can always read these articles that will be just adding to your information and uh, existing knowledge so this is what i would suggest uh whoever wants to join or go, go into this domain always should follow this yeah yeah, thank you very much, Neha. I, I hope the students take away a lot of uh, key aspect from these guidelines. And and I hope to see a lot more researchers in this field because uh, I myself have been researching and searching for a lot of experts, but thankfully your name popped up in that uh, yeah. while I was searching a lot. So I hope to see a lot more you know researchers contributing in this field because it's very important. I mean, we talk about several aspects in the electronics, AI as well, but... I believe the systems itself, the hardware system itself, it's not possible without the critical minerals. Yeah. So it's very important to, you know, uh, put a spotlight on this subject. So thank you very much, Neha. Uh, it was great to have you on the podcast. And I believe uh, yeah. maybe we can record some follow-up episodes in the future because there have been a lot of several yeah. historical contexts as well exactly. uh, that you brought up, especially the German scientist thing is very much uh, surprising for me. Yeah. I had never heard about it. So definitely. Yeah. I will try to record some follow-up episodes in the future. Thank you very much again. Thank you so much for putting up this uh, topic for your podcast. And I, I really hope that people will uh, think about it. People will be interested and people will start yes. doing research around it. So hoping for the best. And thank you so much for that. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you find our podcast insightful, then please like, share and subscribe. See you in the next episode. Thank you.